become the, the, the goal. And instead of really learning to use the power of consciousness, and this message came through, and it was very short and sweet. It was true abundance is the ability to manifest whatever you need on the spot when you need it. If you don't have that, then you better be able to collect stuff. True because there's a moment when you might need it. But yeah. when you have true abundance and you can make it happen, boom, that fast, then what do you need all that stuff for? If I had any message at all to give, it would be something to the effect of take, take the time to expand your world beyond just, just this planet. Just think about what's out there, what might be out there, how that might affect what you're doing, how you see the world, etc. It's a start. You got to accentuate the positive. Wow! I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just bad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? If you And welcome, welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain and the magnificent Penny Kelly is with me again today. <laughs> you know, we get it live, we start yakking straight away and I'm like, let's stop yakking and turn the recording off. <laughs> yeah. There's so, yeah. Much, there's so much to talk about. For those of you that don't know Penny Kelly, let me just read out Penny's bio and then we're going to get into it. We're going to talk about the ET message to humanity today. That's my, that's my uh, focus with today's show and um, we've already started chatting. Penny Kelly is a writer, teacher, author, publisher, researcher, consultant, naturopathic physician and director of Lily Hill Farm where she raises organic vegetables, chicken and beef. A gifted teacher, Penny facilitates courses in developing intuition, the gift of consciousness, getting well again naturally and organic gardening. She maintains a worldwide counselling and coaching practice and travels the world speaking and teaching. An engineer for the Chrysler Corporation in the 70s, Penny left that job to study the brain, consciousness, intelligence, intuition, perception, cognition, which led to her work in schools and corporations as an educational consultant specializing in accelerated brain compatibility learning techniques. Uh, look, you know, I, I speak to so many uh, people who have already got information. It's funny that you went to school to learn stuff and yet you were given so much stuff from your mob, you know, your team, your spiritual right. team. Right. as if you could learn more than what they give you here on earth anyway she's a mother of four children a co-writer she's edited and written over 23 books and has seven of her own books which many of you know about the evolving human the elves of lily hill farm robes books of coming coming changes getting well again naturally from the soil to the stomach consciousness and energy one two three and four which you put out last year which we spoke about on this show last time and, um, and this is the funny part, you hold a, um, you know, a degree in humanistic studies from the Wayne State University and a degree in, and degree in naturopathic medicine. And as I say, you've got your team that have been teaching you all your life. <laughs> well, not all my 
life, but for the majority of it. Now. Well, for a good portion of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 40 years. Yeah, and, and that's what I want to talk about today. Uh, you know, what yeah. your mob, your team, your, um, your galactic guides, your galactic friends, when did you first know that you had, I mean, I know the robes turned up 40 years ago, uh, little men in brown robes, and obviously these beings are ET beings, they're higher dimensional beings. Did you realize when they turned up who they were? No, <laughs> no, I was so um, fearful at that point in my life. The only thought I had was go away, go away. I, I, who are you? What are you doing? And, and that didn't happen. And they were just so uh, cheerfully businesslike. That's the perfect description of how they interacted. And so they would come around and say, we have some pictures. Would you look at some pictures? And the first, you know, a couple of times I think we've talked about before, I wasn't really very interested and I just was scared to death. Uh, eventually I started looking, but I never did ask who they were because at that point in time, because of the expansion of consciousness into an unlimited state where there were no boundaries, it is almost impossible to describe how frightening that is. Because you can go anywhere in space and time, you can see things. I, I swear I spent half of my time doing kind of like this, like, what is that? <laughs> you know, it's kind of a just looking at something and watching it and trying to make sense of it and trying to figure out is that really happening in this dimension or is that in another dimension? And I didn't even have that language back then. It was just what is that or who is that, etc. And there were beings of every size, shape, and configuration that you can imagine. The um this reality zone is one that's full of humans, humanoid, mostly humanoid is what we think. But the minute you expand consciousness to be able to dip into or visit or even just see or listen into other reality zones, you begin to run into other forms of intelligence. And it was quite a while, I'm going to say it was years, maybe a decade, before I had, well, I think what I have to say it was more like 17 years because I, I spent 17 years trying to make Kundalini go away. <laughs> and, um, and then one day it was just this, what is the matter with me? I started figuring out the things that I could do with the clairvoyance and the clairaudience. And I started trying to be of service in a very deliberate way. Before that, it was just like, no, I'm over here doing this. And I just do this little psychic thing on the side. <laughs> um, but it, there was a point there where just the light went on. And at that point, I thought, oh, wow. However, you don't, I didn't, let me, let me personalize it. I didn't ever get to the point where I thought I needed angels, guides, elves, divas, robed men, or any ETs, or any of those things, because I had already discovered that if you put a question out there, you're going to get an answer. 
and it'll be the perfect answer for where you're at at the moment. Yeah. And it will, you know, be up to you to figure out or interpret that if it comes in as symbolism. And so I started to learn the language of energy, which is the language of symbols used by beings all over the cosmos. Right. What we have here on this planet is the language of symbols that belong to our reality. Yeah, like cars, trucks. Like, yeah, your car's truck, like the toilet symbol and yeah, all sorts of symbols. <laughs> you know, I'm just yeah. thinking of the normal ones we use, like we look for symbols like, oh, there's the toilet and there's this and yeah. Well, it's even more than that. Um, let's say, okay, here's a symbol, a cup. Oh, okay. and, and water, and this is a straw. These are all energy. And when you are trying to communicate with beings from someplace who haven't been here and have never seen or been exposed to a cup, that's a language they don't understand. Right. And so this, this whole reality system is a language of energy. And you can then, when you get with somebody else, you start trading, communicating symbols until you find a language that the two of you have both been in that reality system and you understand those symbols and what they mean and what they do. And then you can have a basis for communication. So I didn't right. ever have the, um, like the, the guides, the angels, all that stuff. It was like, no, just, just ask. Information just comes. Okay, so as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking about the future and I'm thinking that our education system will have to change when we join, rejoin our cosmic family. We yeah. have to learn a whole new language. That's true. Like we have that to also true. learn a whole new way of communicating that language, like telepathically or empath empathically or psychically or whatever uh yeah so there's going to be lots more new learning coming up in our humanity let me just back up a little bit so okay. you're in your 30s all this phenomena is happening and you're kind of trying to push it away the little men in brown robes turn up and and um, you allowed them to like show you you know they said can we show you some images and you sat down and they showed you and um i loved it last time we spoke you said you sat on the couch and then you had this like these images turn up in your third eye, but you were not just seeing it like a, um, what do you call those reality It wasn't games. a vision. It was literally a, a three-dimensional experience that I could step into. You were stepping into it. Yeah, like the holodeck. I just love that. And um, so when did you kind of cotton on? When did you sort of click that, oh, these are extraterrestrials, these are like aliens talking to me. When did that sort of drop, penny drop for you? Oh, sorry, the pun, penny drop. <laughs> I've done that before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, I'm not sure of the year. I'm going to guess. Um, and, and Well, let me say a couple of things. First of all, when Kundalini started and you have this massive unlimited consciousness, one of the things that I began to experience were these, I call them dreams, mm -hmm. um, altered states in which I would be confronted with a spaceship mm -hmm. uh, and I would run and I would try to hide and the stupid thing wouldn't, didn't matter where I went or how I hid or what I tried to get inside of or around behind or under. 
it knew where I was. And, and that scared me. I can't tell you how many times I freaked out and just came back. And then one day I had this, um, I was in an altered state and I, in this jeweled a spacecraft came up and just kind of hovered right in front of me. Okay, okay. Had, let me just he, unpack this a bit. When you say altered state, were you sitting in meditation? Were you walking down the street? Were you asleep? When you say altered state. Okay, I was in bed. You're in bed, okay. And I knew that I was in bed. Mm -hmm. So you don't sleep in the first three years. I didn't sleep for well, you the first three yeah. years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're always aware. You're always awake. Yeah. And but the body rests, but you're fully rests. aware that you're there it is and you're out of the body mm -hmm. and you're having some other experience. And that was the state I was in when this thing appeared. So and Jules ship turned up. And did you see it in, in your third <laughs> or did you have the experience of sort of standing near it and watching it? Like yeah. how <laughs> yes. I, I was I was outside the house. Uh -huh. right by the garage and this thing just kind of came up and hovered it was maybe 15 feet uh -huh. away uh -huh. and I could hear it and I could feel these vibrations coming off of it and I was absolutely stunned by the jewels that were embedded in this thing rubies diamonds topaz emeralds unbelievable stuff i didn't know what it was sparkling and twinkling and big big jewels not little bitty ones and i'm looking at this thing and realizing that number one this doesn't look like the other spaceships i've seen okay. and number two asking myself why is that so bejeweled uh -huh. And as soon as I asked that question, the answer that came from inside the craft is, we have a gift for you if you would just communicate. At that point, I got afraid again and took off running <laughs> because I was like, I, I don't trust this thing. I had no trust at that point in my life. And uh, however, that was a turning point. Uh -huh. um, and there were experiences that I had when I was much younger, much younger kid. Um, and I'm going to say as much as a half a dozen years before this whole experience, um, maybe not even quite that long, but um, probably that's pretty close. I had experiences in which I had unexplained things happen. So I'll just share one of those. Mm -hmm. I was, um, I had moved up, I was, I live in Michigan and I had moved up into an area over by West Bloomfield, Michigan. And it's a, an area where there's all kinds of lakes and they're all kind of jammed in there together. Elizabeth Lake, Cass Lake. Um, and, and I had a, a boyfriend, that's why I moved up there. <laughs> and I, I wanted to be kind of closer to him. I had my own apartment. At that point in my life, I was a painter and wallpaper hanger, one of the best in the state. I had work coming out my ears. I, lots of, you know, lots of uh, jobs, etc. And I, I worked for myself. So I, um, long story, so I had a truck 
and I had ladders and equipment and things like that in the truck. Okay, setting the stage. So this boyfriend and I are going to go to this little, um, it was a bar where they had live music on Saturday nights. And it was down in Kego Harbor. And at the last minute, he was an airplane mechanic and he had to work. Something happened, I don't know what. And I was like, eh, I really wanted to hear that music because it was kind of like John Denver music, folk music, et cetera. And I liked that. Country. So, yeah, country, <laughs> which I'm not really a country music girl in the first place. But I decided that I was going to go without him. So I drive down there and I get there, I don't know, nine, 10, something like that. And I listen to the music and I have a beer. I don't think I had two, but um, I stayed for all three sets. There were three sets, mm -hmm. and I, which was much later than I intended to stay. So here I am about one o'clock, 1.30 in the morning, driving back along these two lane roads and they, the roads weave between the lakes. And there was this one point where there was an intersection and there was a, a, I think a blinking red or something like that, some kind of a stoplight. And I stopped and, and I'm, and I'm seeing in the rear view mirror, I look in the rear view mirror and I think, what is that? That doesn't look like a car. That doesn't, you know, what is that? And I'm looking at that and all of a sudden I'm paralyzed and I, and I, I know something is up, I don't know, but from that point on, other than starting to scream at the top of my lungs, I didn't remember anything. So I wake up in my bed, oh, wow. what I think is the next morning. Right. It is a stunning, stunningly beautiful morning, um, incredibly red sky, pink and red, and I think, uh-oh, it's a good thing I don't have to go to work today because red sky in morning is sailor's morning. I would be hauling ladders and equipment in and out of the rain. Mm -hmm. And I turn on the radio and I'm listening and I'm thinking it's Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. I need to do my laundry. I need to cook for the week. Um, you know, I need to get myself organized. And the guy on the radio is talking like it's Monday. And I'm kind of in this mode of, What's wrong with him? Why is he talking like it's Monday? This is great for your Monday morning. We're going to have a little rain later. And I'm like, what happened to Sunday? So I never had an answer for that. And when I realized that I had lost a day, it scared me right to the core. <laughs> um, that was one of the things that I, at that point, I realized that something unusual was going on in my life, but that was way before Kundalini. But you're in your early 20s then. No, 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 no. I was probably 30. That was right before Kundalini. Oh, okay. mm -hmm. So one other little thing I would mention, um, at the same apartment in West Bloomfield, I, um, I, there was a little river that beautiful little creek-like river that ran along the edge of the property. And I would often go down there and, and just walk and look at the water. It was so relaxing. And there were a couple of times I remember um, going down, standing on the edge of the water, 
and seeing snow and ice, you know, because it was cold, it was winter. And, and then sort of coming to, it wasn't, I didn't perceive any missing time, but all of a sudden I would realize, oh, it's dark. I need to get back home. And it had been four in the afternoon. And I thought I was only looking at the water for a few minutes and I would get back to my apartment and it would be six o'clock, you know, after six. And, and I thought, maybe I, I must have looked at the time wrong. Uh -huh. I didn't see the time correctly when I went out. Um, and it was, it must have been much later. And I, why didn't I notice that it was getting dark and all of a sudden it's really dark. So there were a number of those kinds oh, of things. Missing time. Did you ever recollect what happened during that missing time? Uh, no, 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 not, not for many, many years. But you have since. I have since. Okay, we'll get into that. Remind me. Okay. I just want to go back a bit to the ship because you and okay. I were talking about the Australian fires and we started yakking as soon as we got online and, and I'm like, we have to stop because this is a good conversation. Yeah. Look, uh, I was in the shower during the height of it and when all the koalas and the animals, you know, were dying. Okay. And... Um, I can't, I still can't shut my eyes without seeing koalas. Like I've just, every time I shut my eyes, I have these like millions, like images of koalas in my, just they're there. Anyway, yeah. I'm in the shower and I did the same thing. I sort of tend to sort of like just lean against the wall and let the water and I shut my eyes. Yep. And I saw this image of this beautiful ship. This, sh look, when you were talking about the jewels, the thing yes. that ah oh, the thing that stunned me and the thing about these images penny is that they come like that and they're gone they're like so quick they're so quick yeah. so i can't sort of examine it but it's all, it's like you get this download you get all this 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 detail but in a nanosecond which is kind of frustrating but the thing that struck me was the beauty of it i was oh, just yeah. like oh Oh my God, look at this thing. It's so beautiful. And it was not a ship that was hovering straight. It was like tilted. It was, a, it was tilted like this and it was in the clouds. And then I said to my mom, why are you showing me this? But the, the, I was just awestruck at the beauty of it. And then yeah. they put me inside the ship. Remember, I'm standing in the shower. So this is happening in my third eye. Uh, <laughs> and they showed me all these greys with these um, marsupials, with all the Australian animals. And they said they'd pick them up uh, before the fires to preserve, you know, to preserve them. Um, but we still lost, I don't know, millions. They're talking about yeah. billion, a billion, but we've lost a lot of animals. And I kind of scratch my head and think, why would that happen? But there must be a, there must be some reason to this. Like they did tell me that, you know, especially our koalas, that they have, um, they've been affected with a disease called chlamydia for years. Not the whole population, but a large proportion okay. of the population so they did say that this would be kind of wiped out and um okay but the beauty of the ship and i i've never seen it depicted in anyone else's drawings or images it was just the it was the under part of the ship that looked i you call them jewels uh, to me they look like lights but so shapes and sizes and colors like when you talk about the jewels it could have been like jewels. I don't know, but it was just stunning. No, but there was light coming through those jewels. Yeah. So they could have been portals of light or some kind Something. of colored light. Yeah. 
I, it was just, I mean, I remember looking at it thinking, oh my gosh, <laughs> that I've never seen anything like that. And, um, and it just captivated me. So, yeah, I have never heard anybody talk about a jewel chip or anything that even looked beautiful. They always talk like this is a, well, of course, I had the same attitude in the beginning, like this is a terrible, frightening thing. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, and it's not. I guess it's, I expected if I saw a, a ship, just the, your sort of generic, sort of shiny, like metal thing, like just no, just not adorned, like really plain. And so when I was shown this image, and obviously this was a massive ship, it was in the clouds, it was surrounded by clouds. Uh, I was just like, oh, it was such a beautiful image. Okay, like, okay, so so you lot, missing time. I'm going to go back to where we were. Missing time. You had some missing time. You had Kundalini experience. You had little men in brown robes turn up. So when, well, hang on. Okay. Hang on. Let me just make a quick comment in there. I think now that I look back that the ETs, when I would go down to the river, I think that they were doing something then to predispose me to Kundalini. Right. Um, I don't know exactly what, <laughs> but I often have had this perception that they were um setting the dials and turning the buttons and yeah. and somehow that was you know it had a, a big effect on me um a they year later your DNA is what i'm getting pardon they were adjusting your dna as well okay mm -hmm. yeah and that may very well be exactly what they were doing and so what i'm getting is i'm just sitting here uh with pro with proteins and like they're just showing me the chemistry of it and i don't understand the chemistry of it. it's like go away i don't understand but they're showing me a, the chemicals they're like they're adjusting the chemical composition of your body right mm -hmm. right and and i think really what i think what they were doing was adjusting the frequencies and the chemistry oh, follows the following frequency. the frequency exactly yeah. uh -huh. mm -hmm. so so then nothing happened that was probably 70 Seven, 1977 and then in 1978 is when I went to work for Chrysler and worked there and you know through 78 79 and it was in or February 79 that the Kundalini started and the this expansive consciousness so after that um, it was one of the evenings when I was coming out of school mm -hmm. that a uh, group of us, there were five, six of us, maybe, maybe six or seven. Um, and we were going to go down by Lake St. Clair and run along the lake shore and have some wine and just sit and look at the water and talk and, you know, just relax. And because we were coming to a point where I, it was like getting to be the end of our semester. And, um, and everybody was like, oh, my God, we made it, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Um, and when we got down there to the water, uh, a couple people had blankets, a couple people brought wine. Um, I drove, and so uh, we had parked. There were two cars, I think, two or three cars. Um, and we parked at St. Paul's Episcopal Church in the parking lot, walked across down to the water, and stopped dead in our tracks right there. Um, 
there was a ship, I'm going to say 200 feet out. Everyone just, saw it in your group, right? Everyone. They all saw it. Everyone. Yeah, I didn't even, I wasn't the first one to see it. Right. Somebody else said, um, you know, they, they were just about to put the blanket down and they were still holding the blanket in that. <laughs> and I heard, what the hell is that? And everybody turned to look and there it was. And we all just stood there with our face hanging out looking at this thing. And it had a dome top and a domed bottom, very silvery. But there was this wide um thing around the saucer part and it had four rows of lights and the lights were turning and you could see that it was turning because one or two of those rows were slanted and different colors and so you could see those colors come around um and nobody said a word it i knew in my gut of guts that they were connecting and wanted me to know that the I had already been chased by <laughs> some of the um, these spaceships in, in altered states and had already seen the the jeweled one. And when that jeweled one showed up, that was when I started to say, "Okay, why is this happening?" Mm -hmm. And then when that when we saw that big ship. Um, just off the the shoreline um, in Gross Point, we just, I mean, I knew at that point that the connection was deepening. I didn't know why. I didn't know what, I just knew that they had appeared there for my benefit. Mm -hmm. And that they made sure that there were others around so that I couldn't poo-poo it. <laughs> right, yeah. 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 And then all of a sudden, as soon as I recognized that and thought they're here specifically for me with witnesses, at that point, it was like, okay, job's done. And poof, they shot up um, into the air so that they were just a little dot um, hanging over at Gross Point Yacht Club, which was about, I'm going to say a mile, maybe a half mile down the coastline. Mm -hmm. hung there for a minute and then shot into deep space and disappeared and the I, I mean it was like movement that was not propulsion based that's mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah, so those were the early days the early days of ET. and i think i think you've chatted to me about that story the people that were with you kind of dismissed it didn't they they didn't it kind of they saw it and then it sort of faded like it almost faded from their memory and didn't become a part of their waking they reality talk about it. Yeah. yeah 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 interesting isn't it it is and i was almost unable to join the conversation because i was as i couldn't get over what i had just seen right and they've kind of dismissed it like, oh, that was cool. Let's eat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was cool. That's a drink. Let's well, like, drink. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I saw, I heard someone talking the other day or I read it somewhere. Oh, I can't remember about, um, about sightings. The ETs were saying through somebody through a channel message when to only a couple of people see something and then they turn to the others and say, can you see that? And they go, nope, can't see anything. They say that we're giving you, we're giving it to you in your third eye. We're giving you the reality of it in your third eye. But when everyone sees it, it's more of a 3D, it's more of a 3D 
Um, oh, look, I don't understand right. it. Maybe you understand this better than I do. I do. We <laughs> have that phenomena happen in the lab mm -hmm. in which three people are lined up taking a photo and strange effects show up in one camera. Okay. And we actually had some conversation about this uh, recently with somebody. Um, and that I think that's because when I say everything is alive and everything is communicating, you know, um, these things that we own are not accidentally ours. They come into existence specifically for us. They know they're going to end up as our possessions. And they bring this consciousness to them. And then when they actually end up with us, we end up accentuating their consciousness and vice versa. They show us what they can do. And it's a mutual admiration society sort of effect. Wow. And that brings Not, a whole new meaning to decorating your home because I used to be an oh. interior designer and I used to I used to f sell things you know I used to have a furniture homeware shop and I'm right. just thinking that just brings a whole new meaning to all that because I found it very meaningless and the whole time I had this shop I was like this is not who I am selling stuff is not who I am and I found it very meaningless so that just yeah. brings a whole new meaning to it Penny <laughs> it does well, I remember walking into a little shop down in Cancun Mexico years and years ago and these two uh, bookends were sitting on a shelf and I'm walking by and they called out to me uh -huh. I turned to look to see who or what was calling I thought it was a who mm -hmm. and I saw those two and I was like uh, there was this electric uh, electrocution <laughs> that happened at that moment I knew that those were mine and I it was just like I I still get goosebumps thinking about the recognition of those two bookends and and the reason that they were so electrifying was because I had been in this place that I called the crystal school because I didn't really have a name for it and there were these hooded beings who were so bright they had these pointed hoods on and the hood kind of came down over the face to cover their light because they were so bright you could not look directly at them and they were ancient ancient wise beings who i had just the just this little bit of conversation with each time i had been to the crystal school in which they said we are making sure that the system of life is maintained and we have given up our opportunity to go any further which at the time i thought you can't I, where else would there be to go? <laughs> They're so advanced, um, so developed, uh, stunningly powerful. Your hair stands up when you get close to them. And they wore these robes and that's what those two bookends were like. And I, my immediate the second thought was somebody else has seen those guys. Somebody else has had an experience at the Crystal School with those advanced beings. Okay. And I bought them, they weighed a ton because they were carved out of rock and uh, carried them home in my suitcase. I thought my arms were going to fall off before <laughs> I got home. <laughs> so. Okay, okay. So let's go back to this crystal school. 
I'm trying to get this in some sort of chronological order, but you and I will be all over the place because we keep talking yes, about so many things to talk about. Um, so when did that happen, the crystal school? Was that, when you, was that a, again, sitting in bed and like, and like leaving your body and going to a, another realm? Um, yes and no. Um, there were so many, there were three years worth of nights where I mostly sat on the roof. I just yeah. slid out of the body, ended up on the roof. But there were other times where I ended up uh, having going to this crystal school more than once. And, uh, and going to school at the crystal school. And the thing that I was studying was eyes, eyesight, the function of eyes in a humanoid system, and the detail of, the, of how the eyeball worked and how it interacted with the brain and et cetera, et cetera, it's too much detail to go into. But that was what I was studying and they were offering that to me because number one, I was a student of Makumrak and, um, and, and the specialty that I was learning was management of the eyes because you can use your eyes to turn a reality on or turn it off to erase a reality or to open to it. You can use your eyes to move things, to do all sorts of things. And so I'm mostly a beginner <laughs> in that whole process, but very, very aware that most of my clairvoyance comes from that ability and that history of working with Makumarak in order to develop my my visual system and so the crystal school offered me some opportunity to understand that in in detail from the perspective of the human if i had been in another reality system with a beings who were structured a little bit differently they had a little different class a little different information the structure of the eyes in those beings um, was a little bit different. And so you would go and you would study, uh, those of us who are studying eyes and, and the management of eyes would um, have a kind of a unique set of things we would learn. There are some things that were given. If, uh, eyes are about learning to manage light and to turn light on and off and to reduce light. If I use chemical terms, we might say to um, create radox, uh, you know, things happening, reduction, oxidation, kinds of things happening in. So um, is this, um, does this have something to do with why some ETs, some species have those big black eyes? Like, yeah. What's that about? There I mean, some people say they're like a, they're like a film and you can peel the film off and underneath you can see a pupil and whites. And it's like a film that... Yeah, um, yes, there, there are some that have that. And those are like their glasses that prevent too much light coming in as a distraction. It's, um, you know how white noise 
you hear people talk about white noise. Yeah. When they're trying to sleep, it drowns out all the other noises. Well, there's white light that comes in and it drowns out all the other light. And so some of those big eyeglasses will help to filter out some of that. But there are beings who's, um, who have developed their ability to use their eyes and they don't want or need any form of filtering. Yeah, I'm just getting a bit of an aha moment here. I've had a question when thinking about the human evolution, sorry, sorry, the the okay. evolution of the body of ETs like greys, I'm thinking greys. So yeah. the body becomes small and sort of flimsy and their head becomes huge. Their other like nose and mouth and ears become sort of nothing, but their eyes are the biggest feature. So right. they've obviously evolved because they've developed what you're talking about with this right. creation through their eyes, through their mental, psychic eye. You know, they've, these features have developed because they're the features that they're using to create their reality, right? Yes. They're not That's using exactly right. their, like we create our reality with like, you know, we build a house, so we need muscles. So we've got big, strong bodies. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. They don't build a house the way we do. They, they manifest a house or a set of frequency structures that yeah. are perceived as a house. Organization and of energy. So they, yeah. And we're headed in that direction. Yeah. We already have the technology that allows us to imprint frequencies of every vegetable, every nutrient into either water or um, like it's kind of like a carbon paste. And you just need one or two teaspoons of that a day and you have all the nutrition you need. Well, if that's all you're eating, pretty soon your stomach, your mouth, your nose, you don't need the nose to um, smell. Yeah, yep. all right. Oh, that yep. smells good. Um, and you're not caught up. A huge amount of time is freed up when you can get all your nutrients in a teaspoon. And But what happens is your muscles atrophy. Once you get into being a space-based civilization, um, you need consciousness, not yeah. physical muscles. Yeah. And so physical muscles atrophy, um, and they have to be rebuilt if you know once you come to a physical reality physical reality is about the joy of building something physically yeah or creating something you know what i'm physical. thinking too their ears have sort of disappeared we've got these these things these flaps on the side of our heads that catch frequency they're sort of specifically designed to sort of funnel frequency into our ears so that we can we call that sound and uh, why are they not using sound frequency? So it seems to be light frequency they that they're using they the most. But why don't they have ears? Because what happens as you evolve is that the hearing capacity that's embedded in the skin begins to take over. Okay. You don't need the you just need to be able to hear. Um, I often say to people, I have a third ear. And it's really a feeling, it's a sensory thing. It's right at the end of my breastbone. And I can hear through that. I often will say to people, did you hear that? And they'll say, no, I didn't hear anything. And I really didn't hear it as much as I knew it through that third ear at the very bottom of the breastbone. 
backbone, there's a third ear. And that is kind of like a power center. Um, the capacity, let me make a statement that might kind of cover it all. In the God source, the source material, God stuff, the capacity for vision, for hearing, for smelling, for moving, for touching, for tasting, for building is built in. Mm. And so whatever form is going to evolve out of that God stuff is going to have that capacity to see, hear, smell, taste, touch, feel, move, run, lift, you know, et cetera, dance. And, um, and that's a given. Those are given capacities. And there's probably 20 some given capacities embedded in the, the source stuff. And then that comes out in the form, whether it's a koala yeah. or a human or yeah. a cow or a, a bird or a, a beetle. In different, so, uh, in different concentrations too. So That's right. They hear different frequency mm -hmm. levels. Mm -hmm. and, and what happens with, as, with us as we develop is that the skin, which has the capacity to see light and hear sound, begins to take over. The eyes develop and the skin takes over as ears. Yeah, I so agree with that. Because, you know, when I was teaching psychic ability, I used to sort of, you talk about feeling and hearing the same. I used to talk about feeling and seeing as the same. Like when I feel something, I, it's like I, I might even not even get a visual in my third eye, but it's like right. I'm seeing it by feeling it. And it, to me, it was, a, it was the same sense. It uh, is. When people would ask me, I'm not seeing anything. I'm not, I say, can you feel something? And they go, yeah. And I say, describe what you're feeling. And they describe this picture. And I'm like, see, you're seeing it. But they're That's seeing right. it through their feeling, their, their empathic right. sense. Yeah, it's really, or yeah, even their physical feeling sense. Okay, we're way off track again, but it's fascinating. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay, so ETs, so your experience with them. So when did you wake up to understand that they're here, they're communicating to them, and like you're basically one of them? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, it was a long time. I put all that stuff in my do not touch this kind of thing closet mm -hmm. for probably until I was working with Dr. Levengood. And it was his comment after we were examining these sheets, Urander sheets, and what had happened with these sheets, which I, I talked about in volume two, and, and we're discussing, and I, so I said to him, Lefty, do you think that aliens are coming here? And he didn't even blink. He was, he continued with whatever he was doing. He says, no, I think they're already here. And <laughs> I get to see it now. Yeah, yeah. You know, I just sat back and thought, oh my God, how am I going to avoid this? And it, and it just kept coming up and coming up. And um, the material we were working on was controversial at best. It was stunning. Um, I, it just, oh, oh my. <laughs> so, so yeah. this is was the material I want you to get out. You know, this is the material I want you to get. Because, okay, so the material that you're working on is basically the ETs uh, talking to both of you. It's basically the tech, it's basically the wisdom of, of higher consciousness funneling through you. 
both, through both, uh, him in a more left brain capacity, you in a more right brain to use the vernacular, but not the great, greatest, but more creative and more logical or scientific and creative, whatever you want to say. And uh, this Let is me say it for- this way. He was using the language of science, science. and I was using the language of consciousness. Exactly. And what we discovered was this big overlap. Yeah. And this is where we're going in our educational system. Like we started off saying that we have to have a new educational system to be able to develop our capacity to communicate with uh, other dimensional beings or other extraterrestrial beings or our galactic family or off-world beings or whatever you want to call it. Right. Like, um, <laughs> the mob out there. <laughs> they're out there they're 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 here they're here they're there but they have the capacity to i've i've heard or spoken to people that have spoken to ets and um in their communication they're receiving telepathic communication and someone asked i was listening to someone that said what language and it's like well my language english or spanish or whatever language i was you know so they have the capacity to communicate so that your brain is translating it into how you can understand the information that's right they don't specifically speak english or spanish or german or chinese but they're communicating frequency and you're translating it which is how downloads happen, how psychic ability happens now, right? Yeah, yeah, boom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is so true. I think um, at the point that uh, it was Linda Moulton Howe who uh, brought us this one set of samples, these sheets from Urander from South America. And, and I think the thing that I would... Um, point out, which I th- it might be coming to a head here soon in the next few years. Um, Urander Oliveira was this young man who was first contacted by ETs when he was a teen. Mm-hmm. And then he was contacted years later, I think he was like in his late 20s or early 30s. And, and the ETs said to him in that, I, I think it was the second contact, we want you to get a group of people together to come to your farm and we're going to land in your field and we want you to get on board and we're going to take off with you and we want witnesses because we want you to know that we are here and your governments have promised to announce that we are here so that we can kind of come out of the closet and then they reneged. So we're going directly to the people. Who reneged? The ETs or the humans? The humans. Oh, the okay. government. Oh, the government. Well, that's just happened, Penny. Like I had this guy on the show, Kevin Briggs, who's had, he's in his oh. 60s now. And he's, do you know Kevin? And he's I had, don't know him, but I've listened to him a couple of times. Yeah, so. and he's had constant ET communication since he was a kid. Yeah. And, he, and, he, and he goes up on ships and he's got this council and they're made up of all these different uh, yeah. species. And um, they said that on the 1st of Feb, which we've just passed, you know, that that would happen again. But somebody has reneged again because it has not happened. That's right. 
That's right. And the governments can't figure out how do we say that, well, they just arrived when they haven't just arrived. How do we say that they're here when we've been saying, no, there's no such thing for all these years? How will we get people to trust us if they know that we've been lying for all these years? That's exactly when I had the conversation with him last year about it, because he came on the show to share his story. And then he came on the show because he said that his, his team said, OK, we want you to share this date. We want you to get this date out. And the date was the 1st of Feb, your 1st of Feb, our 2nd, which was like two days yeah. ago for me. And uh, I, and I just thought, this isn't going to happen. It's not that the people of the earth aren't ready. It's that the control system is not ready because it's That's just true. like, yeah. And so it, apparently it's for over 10 years. Well, how long ago was that story that you told us about the reneging? How long ago was that? I'm going to say that's, um, I'm going to say somewhere in the late 1999, 98, 99, 2000. So that's 20 years ago. So they've 20 Yeah, they've been trying for over 20 years to get the... Well, that, that whole thing, um, I'm not sure when that first you know, Uranda got 70 witnesses together mm -hmm. and they witnessed him getting on board the ship and the ship took off with him and then circled around and brought him back. Yes. Not one word appeared in the local news. I know. Not one word on TV or radio, not one word. So then they came back and they said, well, um, okay, <laughs> we're, we're going to work with individuals. There you go. Yeah. I'm just getting that message. I'm just talking to them now. They're like, yeah, yeah. yeah that's it. So then they sent, um, they, they came back to Urander. Uh, this might have been uh, 2002 or three, um, maybe a little bit sooner. It's in the book. I'd have to go back and look. But um, they said, we're going to pick you up. We're going to keep you on board for two weeks because there are some things we want you to know mm -hmm. about the future of Earth. Okay, so they said we're going to pick you up between September, September 12th and 15th. So Urander, on, on those days, he comes in, he's part of a big, he, his family owns a ranch. And he lays on the bed, takes a shower, and he just leaves his boxer shorts on, nothing else. And he lays on the bed reading, he gets picked up, and when they pick him up, there's an outline of his body, perfect outline of every single piece of the body in burned into the sheet. And then he's lifted up through the ceiling and it's burned into the ceiling. And then he's on board and they said, um, hang on one second. So let's just fast forward. They bring him back and, um, and they brought him back early because it was creating a a big uproar too many people were getting excited <laughs> so um so here's they said when we're bringing you when we're picking you up and we're bringing you back we do not we you know warn your family we do not want anybody to get hurt um and so uh we'll send a signal and so here's the signal it's this little tiny uh stone shaped like a saucer and dozens of these were dropped from the sky onto the porch roof of Urander's ranch to warn his family he's being picked up now. And so we ended up with several of these, maybe a half dozen of them in the lab. 
and um, and we ended up with a piece of his sheet. And Linda, Linda Moulton Howe was the one who went down there and talked to him and got the stones, you know, picked up a bunch of the stones and got pieces of the sheet and talked to Urander. And he said, Urander said, um, there's a message for the white-haired scientist, which is Lefty. Right. It's time for you to begin to understand frequencies. And we are going to use a very special set of frequencies that you can begin to learn from. And what we understood, long story short, was that um, they used some binaural frequencies. Uh, binaural is when you have one frequency and you add another to it and they don't harmonize at all. But the two of them generate a third frequency that they can communicate through. And that third frequency is called a binaural and a binaural frequency, or sometimes it's called a beat frequency. Um, but we ended up realizing, um, I, I ended up, I don't know, Lefty, he might have been way ahead of me, but we had some conversations. But I realized that's the, what I see happening in some bodies when somebody wears some clothing and, the, and they're interacting with that clothing and, and they're creating all sorts of binaural or trinaural frequencies or they eat something or they're moving or listening to some music. There's an amazing amount of reaction going on between and among all of the frequencies that exist and, and the reality is jammed with frequencies. And so the individual, if you think of it, starts with a slow bitty egg and a couple of frequencies and a slow bitty sperm and a couple of frequencies. And together, they come together and now all of a sudden they're creating a whole bunch more frequencies. And matter collects along the, what I'll call the event horizon of each one of those frequencies. And pretty soon you've got a whole body that's built out and it's all these frequencies that have been generated. Same thing happens with a seed, a little bit of water, and all of a sudden you've got a plant with a flower or a tree or whatever, whatever. So we have, we realize Levengood and I realize that they're spoon feeding us information because they want us, at least some of the humans, to um, stay, to keep moving forward and to stay current with the current state of affairs. And, and, that, and I've also had some connections with them in which there's telepathy going on and I'm, and I'm realizing I'm practicing uh, telepathic communication with them, which is pretty, pretty um, it's not as easy. You have to be really focused to be really telepathic because you have to communicate the thought the vision the sound mm -hmm. and the feeling all in one image yeah and you talk about stumbling around in the beginning trying to put thought feeling sound and the you know the whole thing together and project that it's not as simple as as you might think yeah that's why we have to develop that's why everyone's rabbiting on about developing our feminine side developing our intuition developing our feeling senses our empathy i'm just thinking about doing it and for me 
who it's easy because I came in with my my left side, my my logical dumb down. You know, I came as as this dyslexic kid who didn't want to know about rote learning and was just totally creative and um and then right. once i developed all that intuitive intuitive stuff i could bring the logic back online and i could work together with them mm-hmm. but that's yeah. exactly right that's how you get both hemispheres working together yeah either one if you're only relying on logic you really you might as well be partly crippled yeah if you're only relying on intuition absolutely so same thing yeah you have to put them together yeah yeah it's kind of like what did i write i wrote a thing like just over focus on the logical brain you're it's like you're blind and over focused on that creative it's like you're drunk (laughs) that's right that's perfect (laughs) okay so we've we've got a lot to learn as a human species you know there's a there's a lot there's a lot to learn there's a lot Uh to learn we have to learn how to perceive frequency in a feeling sense so as you're speaking again i'm i'm viewing this world through through the eyes of frequency and i'm viewing it really differently i'm viewing it from my from my life's perspective through what i've been through so as a kid who left school i wanted to be a designer and you know a fashion and again so always into the creative stuff i'm looking at like when you're talking about frequency and coming together and two frequencies creating a new frequency, like even the way the fashion industry works, um, you're creating just, I'm just looking at the whole fashion industry and fashion throughout the ages and how the fashion depicted the frequency or the, you know, depicted the times. It did. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It still does. It still does. Does it? I don't know. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. It's like I, when I look at look at us. Um, uh, what do you call that? Uh, the skyscraper building, mm-hmm. modern skyscraper. What do you see? Steel, glass. Steel glass. Yeah. Shaped like a box. That is the perfect description of our mindset here. No decoration, no added information. We're in a box. It's a tall box. We're never going to get out of it if that's, you know, if that's an example or symbolic of our civilization. Can we do anything besides collapse? And and that worries me. That worries when you look at the frilly, I'm going to say the Austrian uh architecture from a couple hundred years ago Mm -hmm. or spanish or oh my god the the muslim i have some friends who are from beautiful (laughs) oh just unbelievable attention to detail Detail. Mm -hmm. and i just every square inch covered with design um and then you get to this blank slate that's mostly western western society that's like you knock knock is there anybody in there <laughs> and and if somebody's in there are they capable of seeing anything besides this flat plane with nothing happening on it so um yeah the the architecture says a lot and the fact that we're now moving to build buildings that grow things building that's called agritecture yeah um, I think that that's a step in the right direction. We're trying Absolutely. to reconnect with 
nurture. Mm-hmm. That's great. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Look, I, I'm I'm going back. I'm going back to that image of being inside that ship <laughs> as I was standing in the shower. Because you know, I can't say that I'd left my body because I'm I'm experiencing it in my third eye, and I'm. No, you don't have to leave the body. Yeah. I think the piece that's missing for a lot of people is that we can be in more than one place at once. Right. We can okay. Be in two or three. They, or four they took places. me into the ship when i said why are you showing me this it was like i was like moved into the ship it's like i went from outside the ship in uh, and i saw all these koalas and i have to say marsupials not just koalas but furry like possums and all sorts of platypus and all sorts of furry animals uh but the environment in there was just this really clean 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 empty clean environment i can't even it it wasn't metal it was just like white light but clean it wasn't plastic i don't even know how to describe it yeah surface clean like lit clean surface like white whitish and so there's no real imagination inside their architecture that's what i'm thinking inside there well no no that's well let me just share this little piece I have been on board ships, okay, mm-hmm. and they're just like you described, mm-hmm. absolutely clean, absolutely bare. Bare, bare. And I come on board, and what appears on the wall right in front of me is some kind of portrait and a vase of flowers mm-hmm. and a little end table with some sort of glass fixture on it. And, and I'm looking at that, and I'm thinking, wow, doesn't that doesn't that vase of flowers get spilled when you take off <laughs> that kind of thing <laughs> that's a hilarious story. Like, mm, okay <laughs> or the mother watch out for wild things or wild movement but what i have realized is that they put those things in place for you to make me feel at home yeah yeah. And that's a very and so they can do that if the space is cluttered with all kinds of other stuff. Yeah. And they do that for everybody. Yeah. They're very, very conscious without cluttering up their own life and space and need to, you know, however they operate. Um, they're very sensitive to um, could you just be graceful enough to learn how to behave in our environment? We're learning how to behave in yours. Right. And, that I think is is another piece of that education thing that you were saying is so severely needed. Mm-hmm. I've had many conversations. One of the last conversations I had was Peter Panamore had a near death experience and he went to the all, the oneness, the no thing, the no thing, the nothing, and and Michael Tamora has talked about this. Like everything, it's been called illusion. It's been called the dream, is a projection of mind. So everything is a projection of mind this reality that we perceive is so real and physical is a projection of mind that we're perceiving as real and physical so and they you know the ets understand that so they know how to organize energy to create a projection that gives you again i'm going back to the holodeck you know on on on, that's right yeah yeah so yeah, I think that so when we understand up your space with all this stuff, when you can create whatever you need as you go along, moment by moment. Right. Yeah. That's a thought. That's a thought. I know it takes in that whole hoarding mentality. I'll save oh. that for later. You know, I might need <laughs> yeah. that later. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
when I can create what I need in the moment, why would I need to store something to use later when I know I can? So it's just bringing the whole deliberate creation conversation into the 21st, 22nd, 23rd century in that where everything we're living is a projection of mind. And, and the conversation I've had on a couple of shows lately is that we've actually already created it before we got here. It's already happened in time and space. We're just choosing a particular timeline to right. experience as a linear experience. But it's all yeah. happened. So we're experiencing memory more than creation in the moment, right? That's true. I have heard a lot of people say those kinds of things you were just saying as if the reality were any less valid than it would be if it was quote-unquote real real i know this is a conversation i had about 20 years ago in spiritual circles when lots of gurus were saying it's illusion is illusion and then people are going but it's not illusion it's my reality to say to a person that's grieving death is an illusion somebody didn't die and you know in their in the moment of their grief or their pain it is their reality so how do we communicate teach this whole organization of frequency you know illusion you know we have to we have to have this paradigm shift it's it's not yeah. easy to communicate or teach when we're perceiving this reality is real especially when you're sick or in pain or grieving or in physical pain you've been in no. an accident your body's all broken up it's like this is real i'm in hospital and this is real. <laughs> the sucker hurts <laughs> sucker hurts <laughs> yeah 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 i think that's really really important why do we have any sort of reality whether it's an et version or a version of that a bird sees or a yep. version that a frog or a human or, or mm -hmm. some other planet why it's because that life is a system and you have what it offers is a chance to go have some experience and to choose whatever experience you want to have yeah and i think the important thing this and this is takes a little bit of time to get your mind around is that all the only thing that is quote unquote real bottom line is the mind space source stuff that we call God that's mm. it and from my point of view it's only it all it is is frozen light I think it's light of such an intense and high frequency that it appears to be solid so having said that let's just go back to here we are we have this amazing consciousness we're made of this stuff called mind and when it kind of steps down to a human level we have this consciousness that we can then use to affect that substance out there and create anything we want to create. So why aren't we celebrating this amazing reality system that we have created? Why are we bad-mouthing it? <laughs> I mean, that just makes no sense. Why are we acting as if this is beneath us? This might be the best that we could do right now. And yeah. it's a phenomenal experience. When I think about ice cream or making love or going to a play, I just went to see Hamilton, which was electrifying, or some other thing. 
those are enjoyments and pleasures that we are, that's what life is for, mm -hmm. is to have those kinds of pleasures. Mm -hmm. And yes, there are fools who mess it up by doing things that are ugly or hurtful or harmful or selfish or whatever. But that's, you know, that's just the nature of the reality. You get this full spectrum. I think our cosmic brothers and sisters really appreciate that too, right? Like, even yes. though they might be infinitely more intelligent and conscious than we are, the creativity right. on planet Earth is surpasses. It's just, it's just beyond the beyond, isn't it? It's just like... Right. And they really appreciate yeah. the diversity and the creativity and yeah. That's true. And I think what they're, what I see setting up um, and I'm watching the threads of this and thinking, oh, look at that. What, what we're doing, and I've mentioned this maybe lightly in passing before, is we're getting ready to um, become a space-based civilization. And, but not everybody is going to be interested in going into space. Not everybody is, is somebody's got to stay home and manage this and monitor the, the earth. And feed the chickens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and just make sure that we've got a place to come home to if we need to, etc. And so it's a, it's a slow process in which groups of people, sometimes big groups of people, leave a system and go off to be space-based. And the rest that are left here are like, no, no, you know, goodbye, good luck, have at it, you know, let us know when you get there safe, wherever there is. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so here we are. Um, it's, it's a nice kind of, uh, what to call that, a jumping off, a nice, nice kind of springboard. Mm -hmm. into another level of civilization in which we could come back and say, come on, we, we've got a place. Mm -hmm. We've got it figured out. And people can say yes or no. Mm -hmm. um, that's really where we're at. If we don't have the option of getting off the planet, um, that leaves us pretty vulnerable to the dynamics of a solar system. And that's not always that that's not always safe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Let me just put it that way. The okay. dynamics of a solar system are much more active at times than what we have experienced in the last, you know, few hundred years. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I'm going to go back to um, a couple of things. You're in the lab with Lefty. You've asked him about aliens and that he's gone. They're already here. He doesn't even look up. He's like, they're already here. And, and then you've, yeah. you've come to this realization. And I want to even go back further to the missing time. When did you find out what happened during those periods of missing time? When did it all, you know, click into place? Oh, gosh. Well, how was... did it all click into place? I'm trying to remember the year. I was I was picked up. It was one morning. This mm -hmm. might have been two thousand four or five. Okay. Something like that. And 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 I had just um, maybe it was two thousand. So somewhere, but somewhere right in there. Okay. So Jim had left his job at Michigan Bell, and 
and said, you know, if you can just keep supporting us, I'll, I'll do some construction work, I'll do whatever. And, but he, he needed to be out of that system because he was sick. So, so two years go by and he still has not brought in any work. And I spent the first year freaking out. Oh, I can't do this all by myself. And then I got to this place where I thought men do this all the time. They support themselves without a blink. What's your problem, woman? Get at it. So <laughs> I end up coming to this point about two, two and a half years after he left, in which I was like, well, son of a gun, we're doing okay. <laughs> and so there was this son of a gun attitude to bring it on, baby. And that kind of attitude was the way that I was feeling about myself and my life. I can handle anything. Cool. That was mm -hmm. the attitude. Good, and good place was, to be. Yeah. I got this. I've mastered this reality <laughs> and it's money system and all that. Yeah, yeah. I know. So that particular morning he got up, he was going to milk cows and I'm still laying in bed wide awake. And all of a sudden I feel this familiar paralysis mm -hmm. and I think, Oh, and boom, I'm on board the ship. And there's, it was that point on board the ship in which I thought, Okay, I'm done panicking over this kind of piddly stuff. You know, bring bring it on was my attitude. Yeah. And I'm going to observe and I'm going to learn and see what I can what I can know from this experience. Mm -hmm. And so that was a humongous change. There were other people who were on board ship in the group. There were about 20 of us. They were all screaming and crying and ah and I'm just like, what is your problem, guys? You know. <laughs> So I sit down in the middle of this group into this lotus position and think, maybe if I meditate among them, they'll quiet down. Well, they didn't. And we, you know, the elevator, we, it was an elevator or some kind of moving platform in the ship came to a stop. We were told to get off. I let everybody get out and I'm watching them all crying and scared. You know, how do we get out of here? What's blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, I'm not going anywhere until somebody tells me to go. And then I hear this voice that says, get off the elevator. And I, so I, I just mosey along. I'm not trying to be obstinate, but I'm definitely saying I'm doing this my way. Kind of thing. And I get out of the elevator and the door closes. And I think, how's this thing made? You know, how come they have elevators? You know, it was silent. It wasn't really like the elevators we have here. Mm -hmm. But the decoration around the door was absolutely stunning. The walls were of this brushed stainless steel, looked like brushed stainless steel in a magenta color. Oh, magenta? Yeah. Oh. And there was this thick plush carpeting on the floor and I thought, oh, this is one of those, we're going to make this pretty for you. Yes, exactly. Exactly. One of those, we're going to make you feel comfortable. <laughs> they're, they're E.T. decoration. Yeah. Let's put magenta on the walls. <laughs> there you go. And I'm looking at this, it looked like hieroglyphics, kind of uh, little signs and symbols that were stamped into the frame around the door. 
and I'm looking at those and I'm just looking. I'm not thinking anything. Every, every time you speak about it, I get all these tingles on my crown, Penny. <laughs> and um, as you were speaking about it before, oh, I just got this this shift in. Okay, so what we're talking about is shifting people's paradigms and consciousnesses. It's just like I just got present to how this conversation is is shifting reality. Anyway, but go on, yeah. go on. Yeah. And, and I think the point I would make in that particular, as far as we've been, is they're trying to make it easy for us. We're making it difficult for them. And, Absolutely. And, and we're making it difficult for us. Stubborn, so obstinate humans. Experience, you know, where I had the, um, where I tried to bring the pen back of this pen that would write three-dimensionally in air. I wanted to bring that pen back to um to this reality i had seen that pen and used it in other experiences on board other ships in which i wrote poetry in in midair with this stuff that came out of the pen that looked like um shaving lotion oh okay it was really yeah Black it fun. was and and the the poem i think the one i had was maybe five lines the one i had written was alive and i was pulling on that poem trying to bring it into reality this <clears throat> now i'm on board the ship and i'm remembering other times i've been on the ship okay okay let me just back up so back to your question which we started with was when did you remember what happened that was when i started to remember and have the details it was while i was on board that ship that day all the other visits were like, oh, this has been going on since I was about six, five yeah. or six. Okay, um, so you're in the ship, you see the hieroglyphs. So who, what flavor of ETs are on this ship? Are there all sorts of different species? Is, are there greys and Palladians and Arcturians and Mantids? You know, who are you looking at? Like, what are you, who are you talking to? What, okay. what projection are they showing you? <laughs> okay, so... Here you have to say, or I have to say, that one of my big shortcomings is it, it doesn't matter whether it's robes or ETs or some other beings, I never say, who are you, what's your name, and where do you live? <laughs> that never occurs to me. I'm so busy with trying to handle any given situation that their name and where they're from is absolutely irrelevant so i never think to ask that however i was aware that we had been ordered telepathically by the little grays not to look at them and my response was why who said hmm. and the response that came back was you'll only get frightened scared yeah and so all of us were given this blanket order, don't look at us. And it didn't help for the rest of the group, but my attitude was, okay, fine. But when we got down into this amphitheater, um, the beings down there looked very, very human. human. They were very tall, a lot taller than, than I was. <laughs> um, and they, they were beautiful, beautiful people, beautifully shaped um beautiful features i didn't spend a lot of time looking at them in terms of 
their looks or because I don't care that my, I'm not a fashion plate by any stretch. So I never pay attention to what they're wearing, etc. But when I got into the hallway, um, I left the amphitheater and thought, oh, I've been here before. And I was remembering the conversation in which I was yelling at them, you know, we're going to need your help. It's and it's not too late. Um, but when I got out of the amphitheater and turned right down the hallway, that was when I really did pay attention to the details because there were three women coming up the hallway carrying these trays with something looked like cookies or something. And I was like, it just blown away. They were identical down to like every eyelash, every hair exactly in the same, um, you know, pattern. And, and they were all wearing these um, very formal dresses. And I remember laughing, thinking, is that what you think we look like? Is that how you, I am a farmer. That is the most impractical kind of dress you can come up with. But um, they, the women were very kind, very nice. They just kind of slipped by me. There were a couple of men. They were clones. They were clones. The women were clones and the men were clones. And they were identical, too. They were much shorter. Um, the women were tall, the men were short. Okay, I'm kind of getting, they're not projecting a human form to, again to make the humans more comfortable. That's a possibility. They, what I knew was that this was a big ship. Yeah. When I say big, I'm going to say somewhere in the neighborhood of seven or eight miles across. Yeah. Um, and that there were many, many mm. kinds of operations mm. that took place on that ship. And one of them was cloning, mm -hmm. and the clones were intelligent, mm -hmm. and um, and I didn't think about it much. I was trying to get as far as I could in the ship before somebody stopped me. <laughs> and were you running a muck, were you? <laughs> yeah, and that's where I saw the very unusual computer, um, and and had a um, there was a clown who came in. Someone came in dressed like a clown and had the same reaction as I saw with the women who had the formal dresses on. Because um, he, he said to me, I have one of those pens. <laughs> and so he obviously knew me. Yes. And I said, can I have it? And he said, yeah, because I wanted to bring it back to show that there were other dimensions and that we could trade goods across the dimensions that did not work. So he said, yes, you can have it. But when I came back, it was not, it had disappeared somewhere in transit. So um, that, that experience really uh, opened me to all of the times that I had been picked up. Um, some of them, I can still feel the scare of those moments. The, the fear. So why, yeah, but I, why were they picking you up and why were they picking up all the other humans that were really scared? What was their intention, purpose? What was the directive? What were they doing? I don't know why they were picking up the other people, mm -hmm. but in general, they only pick up people that they are working with. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they're tweaking frequencies. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're healing mm -hmm. people because they want, the, they're trying to get people to stay healthy enough, long enough to sort of act as a go-between or an ambassador type 
personality once announcements are made that ETs exist. And these people who are familiar with this will say, yeah, it's okay. It's all right. Don't, no need to panic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's, there's the difficulty. I thought, you know, at that point when I was on the ship that day, it was like, you guys have a long way to go because these fools <laughs> are still scared stiff. And, um, and I, I remember thinking to my own self, why don't you go back there and see if you can calm them down? Because I knew several of them. Oh, you did? Um, yeah, they were people I recognized and people I had grown up with. And oh, that wow. was, oh, okay, oh my. <laughs> what I'm getting a sense of that um, off-world beings that are overseeing the development in human consciousness, the evolution of human consciousness on this planet, have been trying their hardest for at least 50 to 70 years to try and prepare humanity for this reconnection and they are having a really hard time with fear with fear they're having a hard time with the stubbornness of the human consciousness Mm -hmm. and fear our fear that's right yeah and they look at us as people who are so fearful yeah that we turn into wild animals and, and so they can't corner us, and they know that we have weapons. They're very, very conscious of those weapons. And I, I am at this point in time, I'm thinking, just keep, you know, keep on, keep on working with us. Um, as people are starting to wake up, and if they're just waking up politically. I mean, that does create some chaos. If they're just waking up financially, if they're just waking up in terms of how awful the education system has been, how destructive the healing, the medical system has been, um, how bad the agricultural system is for us and the planet. And there's so many things to be concerned about. And there, the ET concern is, we don't know if you guys are smart enough to make it. So we don't know. If, if we're wasting our time. And so my thing is like, yeah, just don't, don't leave us now. We need help. Um, and I think people are ready. And so what I've tried to say to them is, yeah, people will be scared. Don't let their scare scare you. <laughs> and they have tools, they have superior, superior weapons. They could just erase somebody, period. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's crazy to think that we'd even try and... I mean, just, right. anyway. Look, you know, oh, God, so much to say. Humanity, humanity. Yeah. So what's your mandate? What's your, what's your relationship with them? Like what, what I'm just seeing is a bridge. Um, educate them, teach them, educate them. Like they've sent you right. here as a teacher and as this bridge in consciousness what do you what do you understand is your mandate with them like your relationship with them you just said it i'm (laughs) here to teach about the mind and consciousness Mm -hmm. once people start to recognize the power of their own consciousness and how it works 
And let me just kind of veer off here. The last time we talked, I don't know if it was in the conversation or in the pre-conversation before the recording, you had said, my mob wants you to develop this class in plasma. Yeah, that wasn't on the, com the recorded conversation. That was you and I talking. Yeah. Okay. So I took that very seriously mm. and thought, okay, what would I say? So I now have part one of my plasma course put together and I'm working on part two and there may even be a part three. But as I put it together, my thought was like, you know, thank you for this because I probably wouldn't have sat down and said okay what is it people need to understand about how they're built how they operate what is the nature of reality and how they fit into that and that's all coming clear in coming that clear. you know as a naturopathy student like you studied i was like in my early 20s when i learned mm -hmm. uh, anatomy and physiology it just it actually blew my mind i just the intelligence behind <laughs> The, the organization of energy that, is, that we call the human form, you know, how the human form operates. I just, I was a pretty atheist agnostic young woman. And when I realized the intelligence behind the intelligence behind the design, I'm like, who designed who? Who came up with this? Like that was the thought. And, you know, I could only go to some sort of higher intelligence, which we call God. So it right. made me less skeptical in being, I wouldn't say atheist, but um, just I was like, who came up with this design? I, that was the burning question because it's so yeah. unbelievably intelligent. And um, I think it's the same, like we were, so we were studying on a physical level, but we need to study the organization of energy on a frequency and energetic level because, yeah, that's how we create it. Like when we understand frequency and energy organization, then we know how to create our reality more succinctly. So this conversation about being a deliberate creator or a conscious creator is, is this, you know, is, are these classes and not mm -hmm. just um, feel good, imagine what you want and feel good or like the conversation that's out there in the masses from, you know, the secret and many law of attraction teachers is that you visualize what you want and then you you imagine having it and then you act as if or you feel like you have it i mean that's a, a good piece it's a good puzzle piece but if you want to create more than a new car and a new house and you want to create societies and and systems and planets and new politics and new ways of living on this earth then we have to understand you know yes. how this what what you've what you and Lefty were all were talking about that we have to yeah yeah understand it yeah I think that's really really important and here's the difficulty if you've already got a reality system created and it's corrupt right. and it's not working right. and all of a sudden you wake up to that you not only have to take that apart you have to put a new one together right. and it's like whoa. <laughs> you know, do I get to sleep? Do I get to eat? It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And for those who are, like I'm going to say, in their 80s, in their 90s, I don't know that they'd be interested in the new paradigm. And so some piece of the old one, whatever it is that supports the 80, 90-year-old mindset and lifestyle and habits, 
and all of that, that has to be a, the hospice is kind of the way that I say it. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I went, I was away uh, right. over the weekend down the coast, drove through all the devastation that the fires went through. It was amazing to see Penny. It was just amazing to see. But what was even more amazing, so I drove down, I was only down there for a couple of days and drove back. The difference in the regrowth on yesterday, I drove back, got home last night. The difference in the regrowth in two or three days was unbelievable. Like these black trees and this regrowth. Oh, my God. Anyway, but I had a conversation <laughs> with a friend. We were out to lunch and he's in his 60s and he just refuses to use computers and, he's, and he works in the, in the system. Like he's out there on the front line chopping down all the burnt trees and clearing and he's, that's his, like his manual job. Like he works clearing and for power lines and all that sort of stuff and he was telling me about his experience and he's saying oh you know they want us to they want us to put our data into an ipad so he's like only in his early 60s or mid 60s and he's got this mentality of this stuckness like not moving forward it's going to be faster for me to write why do they have these computers you know it's faster for me to write and i said it's faster for you to write because you don't know how to use a computer if you learn how to use a computer it'll be faster on the computer and he's just the stubbornness and it was what was interesting three times in that day this conversation of not wanting to move forward like yeah. with what's happening just technologically came up and this is what the ets are up against is this That's stuckness right. to the old paradigm this this is how it is this is how it always has been why change you know and it's inside society and religion there's something that i didn't discuss with you last time that i wanted to discuss with you okay it, it's it's from the robes i've written it down here um okay. i'm just going to read out something that from the book it's like you have prepared long and hard for this lifetime we are here only to help you succeed it is essential that the humans he here recognize the need to reconnect to the earth. The structures of your civilizations are too fragile. In the face of ongoing natural disaster, there is a danger that all progress will be lost, either through the disasters outright or through wars over suddenly shrunken resources that create their own disaster which is happening here in Australia as we use all the water to put out the fire. You know, water is becoming very scarce. Interesting. If this happens, you will return to a severely primitive conditions and may not reach either the group soul or the civilizational goals you have all set out to achieve together. So that's obviously from the robes. Is that from the robes? Yep. So that's that's them talking to us about um, yeah. about our stubbornness. <laughs> yeah, no, that um, I remember that moment when when they were saying that, and and I remember thinking, like, we've all set out together. You mean you mean these people and I are part of some kind of plan? What's the plan? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know that kind of thing, um, and not getting it at all at that point but later on much later realizing that the goal was this leap in consciousness mm -hmm. and then when i realized oh my that's what i came here to teach it's like wow what was i thinking <laughs> you know that's <laughs> just not how, how that there's too many people can we just narrow it down to if i if i can get it across to 10 is that enough <laughs> kind of 
<laughs> thinking. Yeah, yeah. And well, now- we can we can inspire, and they can go out because I call my mob, uh, as in my human mob, uh, the difference makers or the new world teachers, and anyone that is like you know in these conversations, anyone that's listening, they can inspire somebody through having this conversation with somebody else and then they can take that out and you know this sort of this this rippling effect will happen uh, yeah so um so 10 well, people thing, can inspire 20 can inspire 100 thousand yes, hundreds of exactly. thousands exactly yeah and i i think it was probably about 15 years ago i was having a conversation with jim um and we were still married at that time and and i said to him the, the you know I've gotten this message and the message is well I have been rattling on about there's too many people on the planet there's too many people it's overpopulation blah 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 and I got a message um, later in you know after I've been complaining about that for months and it was no 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 every single one of these people is here because they know this is an opportunity to understand consciousness it's going to be taught and so you have gathered uh, millions and millions of extra people who want that leap exactly and i thought oh wow okay no one's here by accident even if they stubbornly refuse to wake up like oh these confound computers i don't know how to use them they're actually here because they did want that leap they might have forgotten that yeah but their soul chose to be here at this time specifically for that leap this shift that we've all been talking about for ages okay so this will rock the boat I loved this. This is what I wanted to talk to you about last time that I don't think I did. (laughs) And I've put it on Facebook numerous times. Okay. For many, this is out of the robes too, I think. For many people, the illusion of security emanates from the teaching that there is a God somewhere who loves you no matter what kind of atrocity or thoughtlessness you might engage in. Not only is this a senseless teaching, it leaves you secure in in your ignorance only. Worse, belief in a kind of mindfulness less love allows you to escape from evaluating yourself and deciding what is good or what is not good there is not a god somewhere who loves you no matter what you do it would be better to understand god as the intelligent substance of which you are made and thus If you are cruel or selfish, it means you are not expressing your true nature. You have turned away from the intelligent, benevolent force that is you, and thus you will suffer. I just loved that because there's so many teachings out there and even in the spiritual community that talks about this unconditional love that is God, it's not that it's not true, it's just that it gets a bit skewed. It gets right? misapplied. Yeah. Yeah, you can't apply that everywhere. Unconditional love is not, it, you're not ignoring the crap that's out there. You have to respond to that in kind with an honest response. True love is an honest response. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think that I remember thinking when they first said that, that they were kind of heretics 
and that, you know, they were trying to get me in trouble. Mm -hmm. And that was back in the day when I was still really um, engaged in the old thinking, the old mindset, the old mm -hmm. paradigm. Mm -hmm. But as it stands now, I think one of the things that they brought up a number of times was you are creating your reality. You're the creators. You have to take responsibility. What do you want to create? Um, and I was just re just reminded of that recently because I was I'm working with a group of people who are investors from Wall Street, mm -hmm. and they um, they we they're having a conversation with Alvi and Marilena and my elves, and I'm the go between. Mm -hmm. and, and so that's one of the things Alvi said to them. I think in their third communication is um we have three questions for you what do you want what do you want and what do you want and i said that's the same question and that's said, fantastic <laughs> that is what i say to people all the time they come to me with their problems because they're so focused yeah. on the problem and then i say stop 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 what do you want and they go well let me tell you about the problem and then i say to them again what do you want? And then they go, as if they don't even hear the questions and they go, well, and then they tell me what they don't want. And then I'll say it at least three times. What do you want? You know, and then they kind of go, oh, and they stop talking about what they don't want because they don't uh -huh. understand that as you focus on it, you create it. So if you keep talking about what's going wrong and what you don't want, you keep creating it. You keep recreating it. So the fact that they said it three times makes me laugh. It's like, how many times have I said that three, at least oh three gosh. times? Yeah, I just, I, I was like, oh, wow. I think I've heard this before from the robes, and now here it's coming from the elves. Alvi is an elf. Is he one of your elves? Alvi. Yeah. Alvi. Okay. There's a whole group of elves that live here on a farm. Yeah. And it's, I've been like having this relationship for 20, 20 years now. Yeah. Um, and it just, it kind of ebbs and flows. And, uh, you know, a question for you, the church. So what do the ETs say about the church structures and the beliefs and the future of the church here on earth as we evolve? Um, you know, they said that, um, that well, they said that the, the government <laughs> would go the way of the church and that the churches were going to disintegrate that we would move past them because they were kind of like Santa Claus and Easter Bunny stories. Most of the stuff being taught was not, um, was it, most of it, this is my interpretation, this is not the exact words. It was magical thinking. They are not wanting us to engage in magical thinking. They want us to explore what we are, how we are, what makes us tick and what kind of power we hold that we have not applied and then learn to use that wisely and well. And they said you can't get anywhere with that process if you're still believing in religious stuff. It's a, religion is limiting. So. I, well, this is where we're stuck as a human yeah. because the grip that religion has on the consciousness Yes. is because it's so sacred and holy and I don't know, like you, you travel to places like South America and Brazil and big Catholic yeah. places. Like I went to see John of God 20 years ago 
Okay. And um, yeah, South America and uh, look everywhere. It's just Europe, it, it, you know. It's, <laughs> so are we going to evolve and take responsibility uh, for uh, creating our reality if we're so entrenched in this and I'm not just saying Christian dogma, but all like I here in Sydney, I've talked about this before. There's a lot of Eastern religion and they oh. chanting and kirtan and everyone's, you know, chanting the same old stuff over and over again, giving their power away to Ganesha and Krishna and not to say they're not powerful and they're not beings that are helping us, but, you know, giving your power away to a being outside of you or a presence outside of you that's going to come and save you or help you like the angels or something. They're not taking responsibility for this. We no. are deliberate creators of our reality. And um, what did I uh, say to you about that? Let me comment about that. After the book, The Secret came out, lots and lots of people were talking about the law of attraction and this, that, whatever. And, um, and because they wanted abundance. And of course, the abundance was money, it was material stuff, it was, you know, beauty, love, health, etc, etc. So I was doing some work and, and I forget, I can't remember what the actual trigger for the work was, but the long story short was that I got this message and, and the, the thing that I was chewing on at the moment that I was doing this meditative thing was that everybody was interpreting the secret so that they could have what they called abundance, which was really lots of money and lots of power and lots of beauty and stuff and make a big impression. And, and so I was bemoaning the fact that abundance had been become the, the, the goal. And instead of really learning to use the power of consciousness, and this message came through, and it was very short and sweet. It was true abundance is the ability to manifest whatever you need on the spot when you need it. If you don't have that, then you better be able to collect stuff. True because abundance. it's going to come a moment when you might need it. But yeah. when you have true abundance and you can make it happen, boom, that fast, then what do you need all that stuff for? You just go about your business and you manifest what you need on the yeah. spot. True abundance is the ability to manifest whatever you need in the moment yes. you need it. Yeah. I once heard years ago, I think it was Deepak Chopra was talking about it. I think it was Mara, Mara, oh God, I can't get his name right. Some guru, Mahesh Yogi. Ma Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. That one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I was okay. talking about creating a big university, which has been created and exists in the States. And somebody, uh, I think a reporter said, where are you going to get the money from? And he came back and he said, wherever it is at the time. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. So that's always stuck with me. And, um, Oh, I've lost my train of thought now. Anyway, what we were talking about, true abundance and manifesting what you need. Well, to be fair about The Secret, a lot of people have poo-pooed The Secret since it came out. And if you re-watch The Secret, there is yeah. so much information in that that covers consciousness, vibrational. It covers everything. It covers health, 
it covers um but the consciousness of the people watching it at the time think oh if i can manifest anything i want they think i want to manifest money or abundance or stuff right so it's not the secret that was at fault it was the consciousness of the people watching the secret that talked about it that created this like oh the secret's only about money it is so not you it, it is so not you watch it it's so not it really covers does every little aspect it talks about us being vibrational beings it talks about it there's a man that speaks about being smashed by a plane who healed himself through his mind there's a woman yes. who talks about cancer who healed her cancer through focusing on positive things and watching funny movies and not thinking about the terror you know the horrible cancer terrible diagnosis she focused in a in a joyful way there's so much in that movie that people yes. ignore because they're, they're focused on, right, if I can get what I want, I want money. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, you know, the guy in that movie who was um, had a broken neck because of an airplane crash, I later uh, had the opportunity to get to know him. Oh, and, did you? Yeah, a friend of mine was a friend of his, yeah. and I didn't really know that. I went out to California. We ended up, he said, I want you to meet somebody. And... And when I realized it was him, I was just blown away because my thought at the time I watched him in the movie talk about getting out of the hospital, walking out on his own, I thought he's probably not really doing as well as the movie depicted him. Right. When I got to his home, I was just blown away. It's like, wow, he's doing way better, better. than movie depicted him doing and um and his devotion to the power of the mind and consciousness is total right total. and i think that's if we could just spread some of that around a little yeah. bit yeah. it would be such a gift a gift of grace grace is when you're able to align with the energy of whatever is moving at that point in time the mm -hmm. energy of the moment that's grace mm -hmm. and we don't do that mm -hmm. we oh we can't do that because because we should be doing this right now or somebody said that i shouldn't do that or or there's so many i shouldn't i better not and so we miss the opportunities to get on that that wave of power that insight and and the moment passes and boom that's it it's it's over and so you either have to wait for the next opportunity which you're probably going to miss again because i haven't developed the habit of allowing yourself to say oh i have to do that i have to do that right now something is calling to me it's pulling at my gut i have to do that and you go do it and something wonderful happens yeah absolutely wonderful you know this conversation is pulling in all the strings of every other conversation that's out there the near-death experience the healing experience the et experience um, the deliberate creation law of attraction experience it's bringing it all into this uh, the, 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 you know, I'm going to call this the ET message to humanity is develop yeah. your consciousness, develop or oh, the experience of the power of now, the Eckhart Tolle experience, you oh. know how, mm -hmm. and the meditation experience, be in the now, be in the now, be in the now. Like there are all these conversations like you, I've been inside this exploration of spirituality and consciousness for, well, I think I started when I was about 14, 15, when mum was sick and dying of cancer. And I started thinking, why did she get sick? Like, what makes you sick? And um...
Yeah, and I went down the healing road because, you know, the naturopath who did the five years full-time study as a naturopath never used it really because uh, I just wanted to understand the way the human body worked. And, um, yeah, it's pulling in all these strings into one one thing is develop your consciousness, develop the understanding right. of um, being, being the now, the power of now uh, and listening to that inner voice speaking to you because that's what you're talking about, like act on those impulses, act on those that's impulses. Right. They might that's seem crazy right. and illogical, but act because they're being given to you to, yeah. And now let me add this as well. Um, if let's just pretend for a moment that there is going to be some kind of solar flash or okay. micronova or something. Right. Okay. One of the things that we have as a possibility is that if we can be ready to deal face-to-face -face without freaking out with our um, extraterrestrial brothers and sisters, mm -hmm. then we might get picked up because we're ready to be picked up, because we're ready to interact. That at the very least, we should be preparing to interact, whether that's a part of a council or going for a ride that gets us out of the solar system ahead of a wave of dust that is going to pulverize the whole planet. Or if there is a solar, not a supernova, but a micronova, they give us the technology to deal with it. Like you that's said in the last conversation, I, we, we spoke about book four and the robes you said you were taken to a future time where you saw this dome structure that right. there was a there was the kitchen garden underneath and you didn't know what the the material was but it was obviously technology we don't have now that could protect the kitchen garden from any atmospheric problem you know weather right. pattern and this is something that the ets can give us so much technology that we need right now as gaia goes through her cyclical pattern you know i was listening to Cryon right. channeling the other day because of the fires down here and everyone's screaming climate change and i'm involved with a lot of groups and they're all screaming climate change and they're all angry at the politicians right and i get you know, you look at Australian politicians, I totally get why you're angry with the politicians. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um. But it's actually not their fault. They are ignorant. But so Cryon was saying that in the times to come, you won't call it climate change, you'll call it climate cycle because it's a cycle that guys going through. And yes, we're having an impact on the planet with, with the climate, but not as much as we think we are because it's a cycle that guy is just going to go through. So if Gaia's got this cyclical uh, weather thing, like whether she's gone through ice ages before and so on and so forth, the ETs have that technology to help us deal with these climate cycles. So we don't get devastated as many people have with the fires. That's you know, right. The guidance I got, and I call it from Gaia because I was sitting in a kirtan one night and they gave me this download and they asked me to get in front of the people and tell them, which I didn't. Um, <laughs> Because I'm like, stop the show, I've got a download. Anyway, but I didn't do that. Uh, but I've been yakking about it on the show. Is they said, okay. remember to thank the fires when you pray for rain, because we're all praying for rain. It was around Christmas time. And, and there was a whole much more to the download. And at the end of the download, they said, when you humans learn how to live with the earth and not on the earth, you won't be devastated as you are experiencing with the fires. And and this is right, right? Once we understand that there are these cycles that are happening and we need to 
work with her and not just live on her, then we prepare for these disasters. And Cryon yeah. said, as regarding the Australian fires, it's going to happen next year and the year after, and probably the year after, it's going to get hotter before it gets cooler. Like the earth is heating up. And he said that in the next couple of years, you're going to see more extreme weather, more heat and more cold on your planet than you've ever experienced since you've been uh, monitoring the weather, like since you've been recording it, recording the weather. Um, it's happened before, but we weren't recording it then. So uh, so I thought that was interesting and whether we're creating it through car emissions and bad eating practices and um, it's oh, going to get Oh, I think we're worse. creating it through weather manipulation. Um, we have phenomenal weather manipulation technology that can duplicate anything Mother Nature can produce. Mm -hmm. And we're using it. And somebody just said to me the other day, uh, Edgar Casey said that um, World War III would be the war of the unseen. And I thought, yep, that's exactly right. They're manipulating frequencies. They are heating up the atmosphere and saying, oh, the earth is getting hotter. In the meantime, we're entering into a solar minimum, which means that it'll get colder. So there's your two extremes mm -hmm. right there. Mm -hmm. And I've known about weather patents and weather technology for years, probably 25 years, and have been watching some very unusual patterns take shape and have thought that is not natural. Mother Nature has this nice balance of things. There's droughts here and there. There's, you know, too much rain or too much snow here and there. But generally speaking, she's pretty balanced. And these are areas where the weather is not balanced. And Australia is one of them. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, um, well, it's you know, not just Mother Nature, it's man. But regardless of who's trying to manipulate us and control us, whether it is like an ET presence, like some people think, oh, the evil aliens are coming to, you know, dominate, which I don't believe is happening, but there are definitely nefarious ones as well as benevolent ones, uh, or the evil, you know, humans or whoever you want to point and call the devil or the evil. If you are, <laughs> if you are the, <laughs> if you are the creator of your reality, you create what, you know, like you create, you, you've got dominion over your experience, right? You're the creator of your reality. So, right. so your body can get sick or people can die or your house can burn down. And yet you have full control over how you experience that, how you think and feel, how, what you create next. Yes. Um, just as I said to you, driving back, through the fires like going down and three days later seeing the regeneration how quickly yeah. that happens so yes houses burn down and then new houses get built and it's amazing how quickly and we drove through a few of the suburbs where um i was down at batemans bay where it was quite uh where a lot of the fires were and this bowling alley this you know the outdoor bowls you know this whole building had <laughs> burnt down and all these houses around it had burnt down a house standing a house down a house standing a house down it's amazing how that happens in fires right and um and yet the construction's underway it's all underway construction already 
Yeah, it's all happening. It's like the, and especially along the roads, because the road that I drove down only opened about a few days before I drove down it because they had to chop down all the burnt trees by the side of the road so they wouldn't fall on the cars. So it wasn't that the fires were still dangerous, but the trees along the side of the roads were uh, wobbly. And so they, so there's unbelievable action happening and cleanup. It's just amazing. It's just amazing to see what's happening. It just makes me cry. I've had this song going through my head, this we are one, we are ready, we are Australian, like this we are Australian. I've just had this, it's a very patriotic song, but it's been going through my head for about a week now. And uh, yeah, so. Yeah. But we we have to understand how we are the creators and then it doesn't matter what anyone wants to do you you've got your power back you know no one's in yeah yeah Yeah. and there's nothing more important than maintaining that power and doing so in a gentle conscious way it isn't something that you hit other people over the head with or that you use to boss people around it's something that you say how can i use this to be of service Exactly, Penny. Oh, I just looked at the time. We've been yakking for two hours already. There's so much to talk to you about. And I want to get these courses up there with um, plasma and consciousness. And uh, my mob, I said to you that my mob said, prepare them to be taught in um, a schooling system. They, you know, not just to people interested on a webinar or a series, but so that it has some structure so that you can inject it into a, insert it into a school system and it can be taught as part of the curriculum in a university or high school or so that, um, I don't see that happening tomorrow, but I see it happening. Yeah. um, Generations to come. One of the people that I have worked with is uh, communicating with the people in Finland who are involved in their education system, yep. and they have asked for, um, if we were going to create a new world, what do you think would have to be taught? So he came to me and said, don't you think we would teach consciousness? Don't you think? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> so then he said, would you be willing to design a set of modules that would teach that? So I put together five modules and sent it off. So we're waiting to see. So there little bit, little bites of interest coming here and there. And the new education system cropping up here in the U.S. called Big Picture Education <laughs> puts the student at the center. It isn't a curriculum. Curriculum doesn't matter. What they're doing is saying, who is this person? What are their interests? What are their gifts? And how do we develop that? And then they build a curriculum for that individual around that and put that individual in the community as part of their learning process so that they have all these connections with the businesses in their local community. By the time they learn how to be good at something, they're ready to roll out there and be part of the community. So I'm loving the changes that I see happening. Yes. Wow, that's fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Big picture education. Is yeah, that what it's, called? it's called big picture learning, I think. Big picture learning. Wow. Yeah. Oh, well, there's, we're on the precipice of a new world. And, um, yeah, just think of how different we could have been if we had had that kind of education. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Yep, 
Well, it's exciting. It's exciting. The future is exciting. And um, one day we'll get it together to do some online stuff, you and I, and um, sort of teach some of these modules. I mean, I know that you're already teaching them online, so people can go to, obviously, your uh, website is Consciousness on Fire. I meant to mention that at the beginning. I forgot. Uh, <laughs> but people know. You can Put it in the credits underneath. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be fine. Yeah. And... Any other message you'd like to give from our ET friends to humanity at this time? I haven't talked to them for um, months now, a couple months, I think it's been. If I had any message at all to give, it would be something to the effect of take, take the time to expand your world beyond just, just this planet. Just think about what's out there, what might be out there how that might affect what you're doing, how you see the world, et cetera. Mm. It's a start. It's a start. We, we do have to, we have a lot of work ahead of us, but we have to start somewhere. Mm. So let that be it. Beautiful. Penny Kelly, thank you again so much for oh, being on the show. It's okay. Always... Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's always Gosh. such a pleasure. Okay. Big love. Well, Okay, same to you. Bye-bye. Another amazing conversation with the fabulous Penny Kelly. Isn't she wonderful? I just love Penny Kelly. Hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Ah, oh, so many aha moments speaking to her. I really wanted to explore the, you know, the ET connection with her and um, could have talked all day, really could have. There were so many other questions. So many other questions I wanted to ask, but we just, we ran out of time. It was dinner time, her and uh, my daughter's staying here at the moment. She came down, tried to make breakfast in the middle of all that. Uh, yeah, so, because I live in an open plan, open plan. But there's so many things that I didn't, still didn't get to discuss with her. But anyway, uh, we just made a plan for her to be a guest teacher in the Inner Sanctum again this year in October. She'll be in coming into the Inner Sanctum on the 18th US time, 19th Australian time in October. So if you want to uh, meet Penny and quiz her, if you've got questions after this conversation, write down your questions. I know that seems like it's a bit of a way away, but I've got a, a whole lot of other teachers booked in until then. That was the soonest one that I had. And... Um, still looking to confirm November and December for guest teachers. I've got so many people I could talk to thinking I might need to put two guest teachers on a month. Anyway, so many people to talk to, so many things to talk about, so much to learn, so much to remember, so much to teach. But uh, I wanted to talk about governments and, um, and uh, she was saying before we came online, we were talking about the Australian government. She was saying, I thought Australia was ahead of the world in consciousness, but I look at your Australian government, I think you're really behind. And I'm like, I know it does look like that when you look at our politicians. You think, really? You think American politicians are bad? You should see Australian politicians. Whoa. The government is a representation of the mass consciousness, so maybe we are behind the world in consciousness. I don't know. There are definitely a lot of uh, people awake here in, in Sydney, where I live, but uh, the majority of the country not, you know, they, they're, they're living their life the way it's always been and uh, the farmers are trying to do what they've always done and they've been failing for a good dozen years or maybe even 20 years. We've had this ongoing drought 
and they need to get with the program. They need to understand that the old practices just don't work, but they keep trying to be the dairy farmers and the cattle farmers that they've always been and cows are dying and animals are getting sick and drought is destroying the land. It's a huge wake up call. Um, we're slow, we're slow to listen because why change when my father did it and his father did it? I think that's all over the world. It might not just be Australians, but um, disaster like the fires that we've had and the drought that we've had is, is forcing people to change. Uh, so things are definitely shifting. I know that um, some of the technology and some of the veganism that's happening in this country is unbelievable. So we are advanced in many ways and we are behind in other ways. So I wouldn't say that we're as a country on the whole more advanced consciously or less because there are some things that are coming out of Australia that are amazing and there are some things that are not that are slow to change. Uh, who knows but um, interesting that Cryon said that what we've had this year will continue next year and the year after. If we experience the devastation that we did this year we will have to change. So many hundreds, thousands of people lost homes, thousands and we just don't want to see that devastation not only to humanity but to the animal kingdom as well. Um, but the good thing is that there's been so much compassion and sharing and unity that it's happened. Um, just talking to people in shops when I was away for the last couple of days down south and how have you been coping with the fires and just people getting involved in community fundraising and community sharing and and talking to a shop girl the other day we were it was a sort of furniture homewares fashion shop and she was saying she was talking about all the restaurants that were providing free food for all the fireys and um, just filling us in on what's been happening down there in the community and it's so beautiful to hear it and so beautiful to see it um, so yeah out of this devastation is coming a lot of compassion and a lot of love and a lot of unity and hopefully a lot of change in the way we do things in this country and um, and hopefully that will teach the world to change as well so that you don't have to go through the devastation that we've experienced down here but a lot of love <laughs> I'm getting all emotional <laughs> anyway yeah Penny Kelly boy do I love Penny Kelly okay so um, I'm not gonna rave on anymore <laughs> lots more happening on the show I've got Zoe coming up next week who is um, who was the friend of Annette who I had on last week who is uh, who spoke to the beings and their messages, the beings, the off-world beings, ET beings, alien beings, consciousness beings, high dimensional beings, non-human intelligent beings. I don't know, there's so many words we can give them, high dimensional beings. And they um, imparted many messages to Zoe who trans, who channeled it and um, to Annette. Anyway, so that's going to be fascinating to hear Zoe's perspective and many more people coming up uh, on the show and in the inner sanctum. And of course, if you want to quiz me and speak to my guides or my mob, <laughs> just like Penny said there, not only do I have conversations with them on the show, but they also receive guidance from me, the teachers that come on the show, many of them, not all of them. Uh, sometimes, not it's rare, but sometimes I get a bit of a reading and guidance from the people I've had. It's rare that that happens actually, but Belinda Womack, the angel lady, she gave me a beautiful reading 
after the show I did with her was not asked for or expected, but it was delightful and beautiful to receive that confirmation from her mob to me. Even though we have our own mobs, it's just beautiful to have that confirmation from outside yourself and get that, that reading from somebody else. It's just beautiful, lovely, wonderful. I think all readings are confirmation of what you're, you already know. You might not be consciously aware of it, but when you hear information that is a part of your soul plan, you just get this, oh, of course, this aha, of course. It's like a remembering, a remembering of wisdom, of the wisdom that you are. That's what readings and sessions are. That's what I do with people. Just um, help you remember who you are while you're here and um, who you are as a powerful genius creator of your reality and how you can do that in your own life and then inspire others to do that too. We're all in this together. Thanks again for watching and listening to the show and love you all. Remember to buy the book Awakened by Death. It's a fabulous read and I'll see you all soon. Bye for now.